I want to talk to you on the subject of hell. I want to talk to you about the assembly that is in hell and the church that is in hell. And you could say that the church in hell is one hell of a church. It's busting at the seams. People are literally dying to go there. Can't wait to get there. Brag about it and talk about partying in hell. Have a good time carousing with, with their friends. There will be none of that in this terrible place that is called hell. The Bible says hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth wide. Why? To meet thee at thy coming. A lot of people that think they're, they're heaven bound, but friend, they're hell bound. They're on their way to hell. And I want to talk to you about it today. I want to come face to face with the flames of eternal damnation this morning. I want to talk to you from this angle. I want to talk to you about the ecclesia, the called out, the assembly in hell. Or you could say the church in hell, if you want to use the definition in its pure and most simple sense. I say, number one, it is a pure church. There are no unbelievers in hell. There are no tares in hell. There is no false doctrine taught in hell. Nobody ever leaves. There has never been a church split. There is never any disagreements without, with any of the members of hell. They are all in absolute 100% agreement, all in one accord. There is no worldliness in hell. Worldliness has been destroyed, has, has, has been destroying the church since Jesus founded the New Testament church. But we won't have to, they won't have to worry about that problem. And if you die and go to hell, you won't have to worry about uh, worldliness either. You see, there's no stealing in hell because there's nothing to steal in hell. There's no coveting in hell because there's nothing to covet in hell. There's no illicit sex in hell because there's nobody to have sex with in hell. There's no evil in hell. There's no evil in hell because the Bible says the love of money is, is the root of all evil. And because there is no money in hell, there is no evil in hell. Furthermore, there is no devil to deceive them in hell. Because as of yet, the devil is not and has not ever been in hell. It is true that the hell was made for the devil and his angels, but he is not now in hell. He will be there one day, but he is not in hell now. He is not reigning over hell. He will never reign over hell. He is not the master of hell. He is not the tormentor in hell. He is tormented in hell. Right now, the devil walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Right now, he is the accuser of the brethren before God. Right now, his kingdom is not in hell. His kingdom will never be in hell. His kingdom is on earth. The Bible says, now listen now, he is the prince and power of the air. The Bible says, he, the devil, is, is the God of this world. Jesus said, if my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight. His kingdom is not of this world. First I said that the church, the church in hell, the assembly in hell is a very pure church. Secondly, and thirdly, everybody in hell feels the very power and presence of God. Did you hear what I said? 
Everybody in hell feels the very power and presence of God. You see, what we've done is we have gotten too much of our doctrine from commentaries rather than the word of God. But I want to tell you, dear friends, the flames reveal the power of God and they feel it. Mm -hmm. It would do good for us to spend just a few moments in hell. It would change our lives forever. As everybody in hell, their lives and minds have changed. They've repented. They've cried out for mercy. But friend, it's too late. It's too late for them. But it's not for you and it's not for me. The Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Why do I say that hell is a kind of church? Because a church is a called out assembly of baptized believers. Anybody that's been in church for any length of time understands that that is the root definition of a church. It is a called out assembly of baptized believers. And hell, by definition, fits that bill. Furthermore, the word baptized means to immerse or completely be dipped or submerged. And the Bible speaks of five baptisms. Five baptisms. The first and second, for example, is water baptism. That pictures the spiritual baptism when we're baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. So there's water baptism, number one, pictures the spiritual baptism when we're baptized into the body of Christ. Third, there is a baptism of suffering we read about in Mark chapter number 10, in verse number 38, where the Lord said to John, Can you drink of the, water, uh, of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Now, the last two baptisms John spoke about in Matthew chapter 11, excuse me, 3 and verse number 11, where John said, I indeed baptize you with water to repentance. Okay? That's man baptizing man. And by the way, you cannot get saved by baptism. If you're relying on your baptism, then you will be a resident of hell. You will be a member of the church in hell, friend, and it's one hell of a church. Are you with me? Are you with me? That's because where you're going. Because water cannot wash away sins. The blood of Jesus Christ washes away sins. Water just pictures that. We are truly, we're, we're, listen, we are indeed saved when we're baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. The work of God, not the work of man, which is a picture of the work of God. But then John also goes on to say this. He said, but there's one coming after me who is mightier than me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. No doubt revealing and speaking about the, the place that we call hell, where a person is literally dipped, immersed, submerged in flames, baptized in flames. You say you don't believe it, you don't believe hell has... And by the way, they're not around the flames, they're in the flames. They're baptized with fire by Jesus at the judgment. That's what the Bible says. So everybody in hell is a baptized believer. Some are baptized with water. Some are baptized with the Holy Ghost. Some are baptized with suffering. And those in hell are baptized with fire. Notice the rich man says, he says, I am tormented in this flame. I'm baptized in this flame. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 19 speaks of those who will be cast into the fire. We're not talking about just a finger or a toe or an arm or a leg is going to suffer the flames of eternal damnation. 
He is engulfed in the flames, not just around the flames, but in the flames himself, burning in the flames himself. That's what the Bible says. Baptized with fire, baptized with flames. In Matthew chapter 13, it says that the tares shall be burned in or baptized in the fire. In Matthew chapter 13, verse number 42, the Bible talks about uh, the tares shall be cast into a furnace of fire. In Matthew chapter 8, in verses 8 and 9, it says, Jesus himself says these words, you better make escaping hell the main priority in your life. Because if you die without Christ, you're going to hell. And you might think that you're saved, but you don't get saved by thinking. You get saved by faith. And not faith in your feelings, or not faith in your faith, not faith in what somebody else's faith, but faith in Christ. Anything more or anything less will land you a place in hell. Amen. Amen. Now, Jesus said this, Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee. In other words, if your hand keeps you from getting saved, or your foot keeps you from getting saved, he said, you better cut them off. He said, and cast them from thee. He said, because it's better for thee to enter into life halt and maim than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. Not around or by, but into everlasting fire. And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It's better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than to have two eyes to be cast into hell fire. The Bible says where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. At the judgment day, at the great white throne judgment in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 15. The Bible says and whosoever, that's anybody friend. God plays no, per, uh, no, no favorites. God is no respecter of persons. And whosoever, whosoever's name was not found written in the book of life was cast into, baptized into the uh, lake of fire, um, which is the second death. Now on earth, the devil plants tares amongst the wheat. The devil works hard in the church. He works harder in a church than he does in a bar. He works harder in a church than he does at a whorehouse. The devil works overtime in church. How? Why? To plant tares amongst the wheat. To bring in his false preachers and his false teachers. To preach damnable heresy. To get up and make people think that they're, uh, make them feel good. Make them think that their religion is all they need. I'm going to tell you something, friend. I'm going to talk to you this morning about the religion of hell and how religious people die and go to hell. Good people die and go to hell. Baptized people die and go to hell. Are you with me, friend? The Bible says and talks about it in no uncertain terms. It's a place of eternal baptism into the very fiery furnace and flames of eternal damnation. And eternal torment. That's where you're going. Not where we're going if we're lost. But where you're going when you get lost. Quit thinking. Quit listening to the sermon. As if it was a corporate thing. As I'm talking to a crowd. No friend. I'm talking to you. Are you saved? Are you born again? Tired of crowd conversion. Are you with me dear friends? Is God speaking to you? And don't get it. Don't want to hear this. Well, you know, yeah, I'm a, I know I'm a sinner. Aren't we all? All you're doing is mitigating and minimizing the Holy Spirit as He's working in your life, trying to bring you to the point of repentance. Are you with me? Get away from that. I'm talking about are you a sinner? Are you lost? Are you undone? Have you been truly born again? So the devil, he plants terrorists amongst the wheat. I have no doubt that there's some tares here this morning. 
You hear what I'm saying? No doubt at all. If Jesus had 12 and one was a devil, if Jesus had 12 and one was a tear, if Jesus had 12 and one, one was um, an unbeliever, certainly there are unbelievers in Union Baptist Temple right now. It could be a church member. It could be an occasional member. It could be a faithful member. It could be a long-time member. It could be a member who is a Sunday school teacher. It could be a member who's a deacon. It could be a member who's a trustee. It could be a member who's a pastor or sings in the choir or plays the piano or plays the organ. I'm going to ask you, dear friend, the Bible says you better search it out and check and see that your name is in the book of life. Because if it's not, you're going to be baptized in everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Think about that. All the while you think you're on your way to heaven, you die and stand before the Lord. And Jesus says, I never knew you. And then you're going to say, but Lord, we cast out devils. And Lord, we did many mighty works. We cut the grass. We cleaned the church. We did this and that and the other thing. And then he's going to say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. That's what he's going to say. Are you with me, dear friend? Very sobering subject. We'd rather hear about heaven than hell. But Jesus spoke much more at hell than he did on heaven. Are you with me? <clears throat> the Bible warns of going out into eternity lost. Listen. More, there's more warnings of that than there are chapters in the Bible. It's a serious thing, brother. And eternity is just one breath away. It's one heartbeat away. Your casket could be in town right now. You could be in the grave and rotting in the ground by this time next week. Your family could have come from all over the country, come and gone by this time next week. And to see you, the only problem is they're just seeing the shell that's left because you're gone. You're not there. Are you with me? And so anyway, on earth the devil, he plants tares amongst the wheat, but not in hell. There are no tares in hell. There are no hypocrites in hell. There are no unbelievers. I don't care what anybody says. This is what the Bible says. There are no unbelievers in hell. Because everybody in hell has made a profession of belief because the Bible says that they will. I'm looking at Philippians chapter 2 and verses 10 and 11. That at the name of Jesus, every knee, not just some, but every knee, both of your knees, and you're not going to just bow on one knee, but every single knee is going to bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. For all you globers, under the earth, not in the earth, under the earth. That's what it says. And that every tongue, every tongue should confess that Jesus is the Lord. Why? To the glory of God the Father. Amen. And amen. That's what the Bible says. Everybody in heaven will kneel. Everybody on earth will kneel. Everybody under the earth. Everybody in hell. Hell is under the earth. Not in it. It's under it. That's what the scripture is saying. Away with this teaching that people are cursing and swearing at God in hell. You've got to be kidding me. God is not going to allow it even in hell. Hell is not outside of God's jurisdiction. Whoever taught you that? That is ridiculous. There's no parting in hell. There's no sin in hell. It is refrained. And it is enforced with a rod of iron by God himself. He says, I will not allow it. Because in the end, every knee, every single knee will bow. Everybody in heaven, everybody in hell. And in that sense, the Calvinists have it wrong. God is successful in the death on the cross. Amen. 
away with this whole idea that God is not, that, that God is somehow going to allow all this sin and wickedness and ungodliness and blasphemy in hell. Not even in hell. Another thing, there's this false teaching that goes around that says that hell is a place destitute of God's presence. I don't know how people can say that when they say that they believe the Bible. And people that say they've read the Bible, what Bible are you reading? The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches just the opposite of that. There is no getting away, even, even in death, there is no getting away from the presence of God. People think that hell is a refuge from an angry God. It's not a safe house where abused kids can run or, 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 or runaways can go that, that are rebellious against their heavenly father. There's no getting away from God, not now, not ever. Because Psalm chapter 38, this is what the Bible says. David says, whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? He's saying there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to flee. If I ascend up to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. That's what God said. And I'm not going to change it. And I'm not going to buy myself a new version of the Bible. I'm just going to believe what the Bible says. That's what God said. Are you with me? The Bible says in Revelation chapter 14 and verse number 20, it says, The same, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, the Lamb of God. That's what it says. Are you with me? That's what, it, that's what the Bible says. So God is in control of hell. There is nowhere in the entire universe that is outside the control and sovereignty of God. And in the end, every knee is going to bow. In the end, everybody is going to submit. In the end, every tongue will confess. Every tongue, heaven and hell, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Lord of all creation, to the glory of God the Father. Make no mistake about it, dear friends. Hell is inside of God's jurisdiction. God rules in hell, not the devil. God is the warden of hell, not the devil. God is the gatekeeper of hell, not the devil. Jesus has the keys of hell and of death. He himself said that, not the devil. God controls the temperature, not the devil. God decides what you see and what you don't see in hell, not the devil. God decides what you hear and what you don't hear in hell, not the devil. And if you do make your bed in hell, God decides what cell in hell that you will make your bed in. For some, it's a higher hell, and for others, it's the lowest hell, as the Bible teaches. Do you believe that? That's what the Bible says. Jesus put it another this way, another way, this way, in judgment and the punishment in hell. He said those that know to do good and do it not, those people that are not saved, that they just do good and do it not, they're going to be beaten with many stripes. But those that don't know to do good and they don't do it they'll be beaten with few stripes but they're all going to be beaten with stripes but some greater than others some will be in the lowest of the lowest hells are you with me mm -hmm. Judas Iscariot Cain for example Ahab the Adolf Hitlers of this world there's a place reserved in the lowest of the lowest of the hells for them the Antichrist in addition to that now listen contrary to popular belief now, now you, came to be, you came to be taught the word of God, right? right? And, and we're not going to go to history, right? We don't need that. Um, we were doing the podcast the other day, and so we decided to, to read one of the comments that was made. 
And the guy says, well, you know, basically, he said, you know, basically, you know, he's, he doesn't know very much, very much Bible. And then he uses history to somehow support the Bible. Brother, we don't need history. We need the Bible. We don't need science to back up the Bible. The Bible is a standalone book, amen? And that's what the Bible says. I believe it. And I don't need any historian. I don't need no footnotes to history to back it up either. Amen. My faith is not in footnotes. My faith is in God's word. Anyway, so there's this, there's this, there's belief, you know, there's this, anyway, that hell is, you know, and by the way, hell is very bad. And we will all admit that. But listen to what I'm going to say very, very carefully now. Okay, because you probably never heard this before, because all you've done is you just hear what, you know, the radio preachers say. But hell is not as bad for everybody as it could be. You hear what I'm saying? Okay, you didn't like that. Okay, so hell is not as bad. It's not equally as bad for all people. That's what it says. The very fact that this man in our text can carry on a conversation while he is in flames, teaches us that he is not being tormented by God as much as he possibly can be. Otherwise, what you have got to do then is you have got to limit the power of God. There is no end to God's wrath. He just keeps it in check. There is no end to God's fury. There is no end to God's, God's um, power to inflict more pain. Are you with me on that? Are you with me? And the very fact that this guy could carry on an intelligent conversation while he is being tormented in, not around, but in this flame, reveals to me that this is one that was beaten with few stripes, or not as many. Mm -hmm. Are you with me? I'm going to say something else. Hell is not some kind of an independent Baptist purgatory. Well, you hear a lot of preachers, they'll go around and they'll say, well, the reason why people, you know, they're going to they're gonna suffer endlessly in hell is because they continue to sin in hell. Therefore, their sin fuels the flames, and that's why they never get out. All that is is just Catholic purgatory with a facelift. That's all that that is. That's all that that is right there. I don't believe any of that. It is not some kind of, well, you continue sinning. I'm telling you, dear friends, there, there is no lust in hell because there's no woman to lust after. There is no stealing in hell because there's nothing to steal. God is not going to allow you to blaspheme his name and his presence in hell. That's what the scriptures say. You will be tormented in the very presence of the Lamb and his holy angels. That's what it says. And we read right here that the rich man, he died and in hell he lifted up his eyes. He saw that he was in flames and he saw Abraham and Lazarus afar off. That's what it says. So Lazarus saw him being tormented. Abraham saw him being tormented. Revelation says that he will be tormented in the presence of the angels and of the, Holy, the, the Lamb, the Lamb of God. That's what it says. That's what it says, dear friends. Amen? Let me move on here. Now, again, let me just say this. The very fact that the rich man was able to carry on a conversation in hell proves that it wasn't as bad as God could possibly make it. God could have made it worse. But even in hell, their God is, is just in hell. If you're very evil, very, very much wicked, there'll be many stripes. But ignorance is another thing. 
you are beaten with few stripes. Furthermore, God decides who and what gets in. There is no contraband in hell. He knows everything that goes on in hell. He knows everything that's said in hell. Because you're tormented in the very presence of God and in the very presence of the holy angels. He rules hell with a rod of iron. There is not one proud or arrogant person in hell. You leave that behind. You leave that in the grave. There is no cursing God in hell because God doesn't want to hear it. And God's not going to allow it. There is no fornication in hell because he doesn't want to see it. There is no blasphemy in hell. There is no gay pride. There is no gay day, gay month because God doesn't allow it. There is no transgressors in hell because God won't allow it. Furthermore, there are no Buddhists in hell. There are no Catholics in hell. There are no Muslims in hell. Every single person that dies and goes to hell is a baptized believer who believes in the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who believes that salvation is by grace through faith, who believes that they had an opportunity just like everybody else did, who believes that God is no respecter of persons. Everybody in hell believes in a heaven. Everybody in hell believes in a hell. You say, I don't believe in hell. I, don't believe, I believe Billy Graham that hell, hell doesn't have fire. It's just some place away from the presence of God. Well, the Bible says it's tormented in the presence of God. That's what it says right there. Billy Graham, he needs to be resurrected and read his Bible again or believe his Bible. Because the Bible tells you, say, you believe hell has fire? No, friend, I'll go further than that. I believe hell is fire, the Bible says. Now, that's what the Bible says. And because God is no respecter of persons, don't think that you're going to get out without being saved. If you don't get saved, if you're not born again, you're heaven bound. That's what the Bible says. And you're going to be tormented day and night, forever and ever, baptized in the fiery furnace, in the flames. That's what the scriptures say. That's what the Bible says. Nobody sins in hell. Nobody sins in hell. You hear what I'm saying? God won't allow it. God is master of hell as much as he is heaven. Hell is not outside of God's control. God made it. God has the keys to it. God determined, determined the temperature. God determined where your eternal destiny will be. Even in hell, the scriptures teach. So the church in hell is doctrinally sound. Judas is a believer now. Judas is not possessed by a devil now. The devil's not in hell. Cain believes now all the Adolf Hitlers of the world and all the Fidel Castros of the world. They believe now all the atheists that are in hell. They're not atheists now. The agnostics and the skeptics, there are none of those in hell. Everybody is a Bible believer in hell. You hear what I'm saying? Everybody believes from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. Everybody in hell believes it with more enthusiasm than you do right now. Everybody. Not only that, because they've experienced it and the power of God in an unusually sad kind of a way. So the church in hell is doctrinally sound. Everybody, everybody in hell is repentant. Everybody in hell cries for mercy. We see that. Everybody in hell believes in life after death. Everybody in hell believes that Jesus was the virgin-born Son of God. Everybody does. Everybody in hell believes the Bible and that God is just and holy and fair and wise and good and that they deserve to be there. That's what the Bible says. Because Jude chapter 15, or verse number 15, says that the Lord will execute judgment upon all and convince all. Everybody's going to be convinced that God is a loving God. 
everybody, people in hell, will be forced to bow the knee and confess that God is a loving God. And they'll be forced to admit that God was a fair God and their judgment and their, and their place in hell was a just judgment and a righteous punishment. Everybody will be forced to admit it. And they'll believe it too. Now they may not want to say it, but they'll believe it and be forced to say it. Furthermore, nobody would dare question God's justice. I'm not sure, but if somebody did, what God might just put them in some kind of a solitary confinement in the lowest of the lowest of the hells. So in the end, if conversion is the goal, then God is 100% successful. God is 100% successful on the death of Christ on the cross because everybody will be converted one day. Everybody will be a believer one day. It's not a question of when, if you will believe, it's a question of when you will believe. It's not a question of if you will join a church. The question is when you're going to join that church. Because there is an assembly of baptized believers in hell. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? If the definition of hell is ecclesia, an assembly of baptized believers, a called out assembly of baptized believers, they've been called out of the world and they are baptized Jesus by Jesus with flames in hell and they're all believers, all convinced of their ungodly ways which Jude says, which they have ungodly committed. That's what it says. So in the book of Luke, we are introduced to a, uh, one of the residents of hell, one of the church members of hell, who has become a model member since he joined. We don't see him sinning. When we're introduced to him, we don't see him blaspheming God or blaming others. Since the day that he died, he has become a very humble Bible believer. He speaks very respectfully to Abraham. He does not argue with Abraham about the doctrines of grace, the reality of eternity, or his, his punishment. Uh, he just, uh, he knew that he basically got what he deserved. In verse number 24, here we see a humble man that cries out for mercy, albeit it is denied, but still cries out for mercy. In the church in hell, everybody is concerned for others. In the church of hell, everybody is praying. Those prayers are heard and answered, but not the way that they should be. Are you hearing me? This man's prayer was answered. Not the way he wanted it, but what did, what did Abraham say? He said, let me tell you something. The way things are now is because, remember, in your lifetime, you had the good things and he had the bad. Now things are reversed. So the prayer was heard and the prayer was answered, even in hell what it says amen I know this is a hard pill for some people to swallow because here it is you see see what happens is we read the Bible so much but we don't believe it because we'd rather believe the preacher than we would the Bible I mean, yeah, you know uh, but that's what the Bible says that's what the Bible says the man is carrying on a conversation with Lazarus who went to heaven and Abraham who went to heaven uh-huh are you with me in paradise while he is in hell and there was a great gulf fixed and a great distance between them what it says and it's not a parable either if it is a parable it's the only one with names then after he realizes that there's no hope for him rather than having a pity party he knows having a pity party it's worthless it's just a waste of time he doesn't start begging and pleading and crying and blaspheming God and cursing Abraham none of that he accepts his eternal home 
He has resigned himself to the will of God. Finally. Finally. But it didn't have to be this way. It didn't have to be this way. But he finally accepts it. He finally admits it. He finally is a believer now. He finally cries out for mercy now, but it's too late. Here it is. He's praying now. He's concerned for the others that are lost as well. People that are lost and dying going to hell are often concerned about others who are lost and dying and going to hell as well. Anyway, in verse number 27, he says, I pray thee. So here we can see if this man is a microcosm prototype of all the members in hell, they're all praying. I've got a mother. I've got a father. I've got brothers. I've got sisters. I pray that you'd send Lazarus back and warn them of this place, lest they come here as well. Isn't that much about what soul winning is all about? Taking the Bible and warning people that there is a hell? There really is. Just as real as there is a heaven, just as real as there is an earth, there is a hell. And he says, nay, but they have Moses and the prophets. Notice he doesn't argue about, I don't believe that. Did you notice that? Ah, oh, that's full of errors. What version? None, all, all those arguments fade very quickly. And he says, no, no. But the, if one came back from the dead, they'll listen. They're not going to listen to the word of God. They're not going to read the Bible. They're dead sure not going to go to church. And if they go, it's once a month or Sunday and Christmas at best. And the preacher won't have enough guts to preach the gospel at Christmas because, after all, lost people are saying, oh, come in and we don't want to offend them because we want them back. So anyway, he says, nope, nope. But here was a man, praying man, a man crying out for mercy, a man thinking about lost people that are on their way to hell while he is in hell. If they are believers, then why are they in hell? One word, two words, too late. Too late. Too late. you got to get saved now. Because you can't wait until you die to become a believer. It's too late. You are going to believe one day. You're going to believe. You're going to believe that there's a hell. Unfortunately, for most people, they'll be in hell before they believe there is a hell. They'll believe in a resurrection after they die and see Jesus and are judged. And you go in there. You, you, is Holy Spirit speaking to you? You are going there. And you might not make it through the day. You might get in your car and have an accident before you get home or wherever you're going. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Bible says that we need to examine ourselves whether or not we be in the faith. The problem is we're examining one another. We need to examine ourselves whether we be in the faith. Problem with churches today. Everybody wants to examine one another. We got to examine this person. Make sure their profession is what they say it is before we can baptize them. Oh, people say anything. But you need to examine yourself and your heart. Are you truly in the faith? Are you truly a child of God? Because you're going to be baptized. Maybe not with water, but you're going to be baptized. Unfortunately for many, it's going to be with fire. You're going to be a church member. You're going to be a church member of a pure church where there's no false doctrine. There's no devil. At least now. There's no demons. There's no world. There's, there's no love of money because there is no money. 
There's no stealing because there's nothing to steal. There's no doubters in hell. There's no unbelief in hell. You're going to believe. The question is when. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I've got to stop. So the devil, what he wants to do is plant tares amongst the wheat. See, he can't plant tares in hell. There's no tares in hell. That's the church in hell. Hebrews talks about a church in heaven. The Bible talks about the New Testament church. There's an Old Testament church. The Bible talks about the church in the wilderness, the Old Testament church. They were baptized, right? They were baptized in the cloud and with water. Even they were baptized. The only way to get into a church is through baptism. You're going to be baptized. You're going, you're going to be baptized. And you're going to sing. Your singing may be wailing and gnashing of teeth, but you're going to sing. You're going to be repentant. You're going to cry out for mercy. It's just a matter of when. Not if, but when. Now, then you can escape the baptism of fire. And you can be baptized with the Holy Spirit of God and baptized into the body of Christ. But for those people who are not, one day your, your knees are going to bow. I ain't coming to an altar. Oh, one day you will. One day, one day you will. Either now or later, but you will. Problem is, everybody in hell, they're all unregenerated. They're believers, but they're unregenerate. They're like devils. They tremble at the power and word of God. They're like the devils that confess that Jesus is the Son of God, as we saw in Sunday school. But just because you say those words doesn't mean that you're said. The devils believe as well. And Cain and Judas, and this man right here, he's baptized. The problem was too late. And let me just stop and say this. This man didn't die and go to hell because he was rich, because Abraham was rich too. He died and went to hell because he did not believe, but he believes now. And this is not emphasizing how you get to hell. The fact is, after you get there, what's it like in hell? And the torment of hell. Anyway, I have no doubt in my mind that there's people here right now that are not saved. No doubt in my mind at all. I want, to listen, I want you to listen to some great men of yesteryear. All these men of whom I greatly respect. Dr. R.G. Lee, three-time president of the Southern Baptist Convention, preached one of the most famous sermons in American history, Payday Someday. Pastor before Adrian Rogers, the great Bellevue Baptist Church. It's just a shell of what it was in those days. Who said, I believe that 80% of Southern Baptists are lost. If anybody would know, he would know. And what he said then is what independent Baptists are now. Dr. W.A. Criswell, pastor of the great First Baptist Church of Dallas, also president of the Southern Baptist Convention, said he would be surprised to see 25% of his church members in heaven. D.L. Moody and Dr. Tozer Put it at 90% of professing Christians are lost. They've convinced themselves, but never been convinced by the Holy Spirit of God. 
One day a guy stumbled up to D.L. Moody coming out of a bar after Moody had preached and he was as drunk as a skunk, had the smell of liquor on his breath and he says in a kind of a drunken, slurred speech kind of a way, he says, I want to introduce myself to you, Mr. Moody. I'm one of your converts. And Moody says, that's about right. You are one of my converts because that's about the best I can do. But when a man gets saved, his life changes. Mm -hmm. B.R. Lakin. Brother Charlie, you tell me you like B.R. Lakin. Love him. Compassionate preacher. I heard Sammy Allen, who died about three or four years ago, rock rib fundamentalist, I heard him say, that he heard B.R. Lakin himself say 85% of the converts in his meetings were lost. B.R. Lakin. Vance Havner. Vance Havner. He's the one that, um, boy, it was just a fa famous, just famous preacher of yesteryear. He said over 65% of church members are lost. Dr. J. Howard Smith in a radio message said 75% of people that attend church will not make it to heaven. These are quotes, by the way. R.A. Torrey in the 1800s, and I'm quoting these now, said only 10% of those who profess to be believers are really converted. 10%? Leonard Ravenhill. I love reading Leonard Ravenhill. I read his book, Why Revival Tarries, many, many years ago. And my life has not been the same since. Leonard Ravenhill said, get this, I doubt that more than 2% of professing Christians in the United States are truly born again. Would you bow with me in prayer? It's a sobering subject. Somebody here is not even saved. Maybe several. I hope to God it's not true, but Leonard Ravenhill said only 2%. If there's 60 people right here, 2%, what's that, about one? I hope to God that that's not true. But these are not, these are not emotionalism kind of preachers. These are not men who tell sad stories and try to coerce people to come to an altar. They just preached heaven is real and hell is hot and the cross is the difference. And you've got a decision to make. And you've got to be convicted of the Holy Spirit of God. No conviction, no conversion. If you're thinking, well, I'm saved because after all, aren't we sinner? Aren't we all? Because uh, 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 I believe I'm a sinner. Aren't we all? I would check my salvation. The very fact that a man would say that is a revelation. That, and a soul winner that would say that, he's got holes in his head. All you're doing is mitigating the power of the gospel. No, you are a sinner. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? You are a sinner. You have yet to be saved, and you know it. And you're putting on a front. You're putting on a good show. You've never truly been saved. Now, here's the thing. People in hell, they're believers, but they'll never be saved. Never can be, never will be. 
saved. Crying for mercy throughout all of eternity. Never being saved. Living in a corruptible flesh for all of eternity. And never being saved. No hope. No exit ramps. No doors. No fire extinguishers. Nothing. Have you accepted Christ as your personal Savior? You say, yeah, I've accepted Christ as my personal Well, then you're not saved either. If all you did was accept Christ as your personal Savior, He is more than just your Savior. The Bible says He is your Lord. Now, you might not make Him Lord of all your life. That's a growth and grace process. But He is the Lord. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what it says. You're not going to just take Him, you know, just like what you want to take. Well, I'll just trust, you know, the hand of Christ. I'll just Christ trust the heart of Christ. No, he died. All of him died, was buried, and rose again. He and he alone is the only Savior. Now let me ask you another question to drive it home even more. When you get saved, you have a new nature. A new nature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you don't have a desire to feast on the manna from the Word of God, how can you say you've been born again? How can you say that you're a babe in Christ? What happened was you were probably stillborn. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Every single child, the moment it's born, wants to suck on its mother's milk. No, not me. I don't even care about coming to church. It's not even a priority. If I have nothing else to do, then I'll come to church. You may be fooling yourself, dear friend. And so there's somebody here this morning. Who is it? Now, I'm not going to embarrass. I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm going to do. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Although you should not be embarrassed to be embarrassed. But I get that. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And you would say, preacher, that's me. I'm going through the motions. I have emotion.